and welcome to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me in our New York City studio apartment is my wife, Sarah. Hello. This podcast is all about the things that we are curious about, and we tend to talk deeply about those things, whether trivial, whether meaningful. We just, I don't know, whatever it is with our personalities, whenever we get together and we bring something up um, that interesting that has interested us this week, we tend to, I don't know. I like asking questions. Yeah, we just like asking questions. We may not may not always come up with the answer, but the questions are there. The thoughts uh, are brewing, and, and so it's that, exciting. It's exciting. That's the hence hence the name deeply curious. But before we jump into today's discussion, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by is supported by Audible. Audible is a audiobook platform where you can get all of your premium audiobooks to get your brains going. Get your brains thinking about all these curiosities. Learn the things. Yes, learn the things. Also, maybe sometimes just escape. Sometimes yeah. you just need to just let you know, let go. Books and are good for that. Get into a story and find yourself at Hogwarts. You mm. know, um, but if you were to want to tickle the brains, I would <laughs> okay. recommend uh, Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. Yeah, fantastic biography. It's like I don't know. It's probably like five years old now, but it is. Well worth your time. Um, so intriguing. And two, I would recommend The Power of Habit. I listened to that one as well. And I thought about it for a significant amount of time afterwards and still sometimes comes up in conversation. Yeah. Um, so many little tidbits in there that I love. So if you want to check out any either of those books or it really probably any book you could possibly think of, you can get a free audiobook if you've never signed up for Audible before by going to audible.com deeplycurious.fm. Brand new URL for those of you who have been listening for a while. Shout out. We're no longer our old podcast.codyjensen.com. We <laughs> are deeplycurious.fm. Hey, <laughs> we're all professional up in here. Um, so, again, if you want that free audiobook and you want to support this show, just go over to audible.deeplycurious.fm. Yes. Okay, jumping into the show, um, I'm going to bring my first uh, thing that was very curious to me. Um, and then the second part, we'll get into Sarah's topic. Um, so for me, mine is about the power of the human voice. So I was listening to a podcast this week. It's called Invisibilia. Um, I think it's from NPR. And they were talking about, they started talking about voicemails and how, like thousands of other things, millennials have killed voicemail. <laughs> um, and they were talking about how essentially nobody wants a voicemail anymore. Um, you know, we hate when we get voicemails, but how for certain people, specifically people who have lost loved ones, a voicemail can become their most prized possession. Mm -hmm. How just having that recording of that person, they could lose everything, but they that recording is priceless. Mm -hmm. But then what really intrigued me was that they did a study and so they broke a they took a, a group of girls and they broke them up into a b and control or however you know science is done mm -hmm. um and they made all of them take a test that would stress them out and so how I, they didn't get into what the test was but essentially it was just a really strenuous hard test that would make their uh you know stress chemicals or whatever can be measured rise and then they had some of the girls text their moms some of the girls call their moms and talk to them on the phone and they tested them afterwards 
Oh, and then the, the control group did nothing. They didn't talk to anybody. So they tested everybody's um, stress levels and oxytocin um, levels. And the girls who texted their moms had no change, the same as those who didn't talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. They were the exact same. Um, but the girls who called their mom and their mom actually talked to them and they heard their voice, their um, oxytocin levels had increased significantly um, and their stress levels were down. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't about the words that were being said. So like, you know, the moms were obviously consoling their daughters over text messages, ma- saying nice things, but that did not contribute to them actually feeling better at all. Right. It was only whenever they heard the voice of their mom and they actually were talking that their oxytocin levels increased and their stress levels came down. Um, and so it was like the voice that made the difference. And then they also had a another group receive a hug from their mom afterwards and comparing the brain response of those that talked and those that were hugged they had almost the exact same reaction. Hmm. And so like talking on the phone is essentially like a audible hug. Yeah. It gives you the same release in the brain of oxytocin. Um, so another thing, oh yeah, another one that was really interesting is they talked about another study that was done with coma patients and they had voice recordings of the people that they knew um, played to coma patients and the patients who were played voice recordings of their loved ones recovered faster than those who were not. That's interesting. It just made me think about like how much we avoid talking on the phone and how we actually get annoyed like... Uh, like as a, as millennials, I guess, so, or as young people, like we yeah. we actually get in, like if somebody calls us, that could have been a text message, we are annoyed. We're like as soon when we right. you know we're like hello, like why are you calling me? You could this could have been a text message. Yeah. So for me, it's not so much that I'm. For me, it's more like anxiety about speaking on the phone. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's not so much about actually talking on the phone with someone as it is, like, seeing the thing pop up and, like, I wasn't prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, uh, I don't know what, you know. Whereas, like, if I get a text message, I can just worry about it when I am prepared. It's mm-hmm. not so much, like, I hate talking on the phone as it is, like, there's that, like, initial, like, anxiety of, like, uh, I didn't prepare for this. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about how... Maybe it comes from, I don't know, this like new age or just our our mentalities mm-hmm. now where we always have to be multitasking. Right. You know, Which whether, whether that is like, you know, actually productive or not is one thing, but we don't have to get into that. It's more so that we always feel like we have to be like multitasking and, and doing everything, but being on the phone is a is a solitary solitary. like it's it's a you cannot do any if you are going to be a contributing member of the conversation on the phone then you cannot be doing anything else you have to be actively engaged in that conversation in order for it to be a conversation yeah and so it's like i wonder if we feel that way because 
whenever we pick up the phone, we know we're going to have to stop doing everything that we're doing. We're going to have to pause the show. We're going to have to stop, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. and actually talk versus if we get a text message, you can, you know, text message and keep the show going and, you know, probably catch most of what's happening on the show. Right. Or, you know, you could continue uh, doing what you're doing and, and just reply like whenever you get a break every few minutes or whatever. Right. And so I was just thinking, I wonder if that contributes to it. I'm sure it does. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like maybe it also depends on who's caught, like what the phone conversation entails. Like, I don't want to speak to any person ever on the phone unless they're like a friend or a family, you know, like if it's some sort of like business call or whatever, like, please, no, like, just don't email me, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hate hate email but then i at least i can just get to it when i get to it like i don't want to answer the phone and yeah if i don't have the number in my phone i don't i don't want to answer it yeah i mean but i think that's different though because i mean i'm the same way with a with a business call i don't want to talk on the phone because i want a record of what was said so I, i want it in an email that way i can always refer back to what was said and there's no confusion Right. Like it it, to me for me, because I feel like on the phone, I have to take notes, which means I'm not actually hearing the next thing you're saying. Right. And I don't know. It it doesn't really matter. But I think the point of this study is more so that like with our family and those that we love, you know, our friends Mm -hmm. and things like that, we we neglect talking on the phone. Like we rarely ever talk on the phone to our friends. And then like our mothers may call and it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Like they're calling and like, mom, just text me. Yeah. Come on. But what, what if we are actually doing that to our own detriment? Like we, I mean, most things that we do are to yeah. our own detriment, aren't they? <laughs> like, and I, I'm definitely, I'm saying this to myself too, because I mean, I don't talk to my parents or anybody on the phone. Yeah. Um, but when I was listening to this, I was like, man, I wonder if we've got it wrong. Like, I wonder if this whole like texting thing is actually contributing to higher anxiety, mm-hmm. to deeper depression, or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and just just to like not creating that whatever they called the uh, healthy neural environment. Yeah, um, right. For our brains, like we we are uh, just more lonely. Yeah, I mean, part of it is like. I don't want to, like, bother somebody. That's why I send a text message. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that also doesn't explain why we have this visceral reaction to receiving a phone call. No, it doesn't. I I don't know. That's hard for me to judge, though, because for me, the it's a lot of times the initial panic. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But do you feel I that, haven't really thought more outside of that. Do you feel that panic... Even whenever it's like your best friend or your mom or somebody calling? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But I haven't really thought much into that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know. How do you, so I know how I feel, but how do you feel initially somebody calls, you're annoyed because they're calling, Mm -hmm. um, but then you actually talk to them and you have a conversation. 
how do you feel at the end? Always better. It's just like how when you don't really want to go over to your friend's house for the party thing, but then you end up absolutely loving your evening and you've mm-hmm. met some new friends or whatever. It's it's kind of the same. Mm-hmm. There's like that initial like dread, I would yeah. call it. Right. <laughs> um, but then you like get into the swing of things and you like force yourself into, I don't know, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> And then you always end up appreciating the conversation. Yeah, I, I am the same way. Like I, I always phone ringing. I'm like, ugh, hello, you know. <laughs> and then, and, and then it, it, but after you know, it takes a, probably a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like for talking. the co- talking before finally passive like, listening. <laughs> like something like changes in my brain, and then I'm an active you know, member of the, of the conversation. And then like, I actually want to be talking and I like go from sitting to the pacing and I'm like just talking and like having a conversation, all this stuff. And then like the, we end the conversation and I feel so much better. Like I feel more energized. Right. And I feel loved, I guess. Right. You know, and so essentially all of that to say, um, should we be talking on the phone more? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you... If you think about, like, the way our lives are lived now, like, nobody lives in the same place as, like, their best friends, like, their people, like, where they came from or where they went to school or whatever. And so you go, like, months without talking to, like, the person who knows you most, who knows you best. Mm -hmm. That can't be good. Yeah. You know? And, like, text messaging is obviously great. Like, it's a great tool to have. Um, I believe that. I mean, I wouldn't be in contact with a lot of people if it weren't for texting. But, I mean, and there, I think there is something to say that, like, we shouldn't... It's it's kind of like the, um, you know, like, we're way over here, and then we go all the way over to this side. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, I think you settle in the middle somewhere. Um, I think that's where we are with, like, phones in general. I think... We had nothing, and then we had everything. And now mm-hmm. we're like, maybe everything's not so great. Like, yeah. let's find a boundary here. Yeah, they even mentioned the the average American time spent texting versus on a phone call. Yeah. And um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was essentially that the on, on the average American spends like 40 minutes a day texting. And six minutes a day talking on the phone. Hmm. But texting doesn't actually contribute to our mental neural networks. And so, may like, yeah, I mean, it's like, what? It's so much easier to text, but maybe, again, it's, it's not actually helpful or something. I don't, it's more so. I'm trying to think of what what is the actual question or I don't know. Yeah. I think I I think it's probably just like well, I mean I guess maybe this is my question. Like why are we relying so much on um non-communication communication, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I feel so much like I'm I'm so scared of like bothering people. Like I never want to be in the way. I never want to bother someone. So I feel so much better sending a DM on Instagram of like, oh, well, well, hey, look at this in order to say hi because I miss you instead of just saying hi, I miss you, 
you know, like there's something which also that that kind of gets into like the topic of conversation that I brought. But like there's that like, I don't know, I guess defense or Mm -hmm. whatever, like we're I don't know. So I think I think but the, the truth is, is that everybody wants communication. Everybody wants community. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Right. So like. You just have to be the one willing, I guess, to do it first. And, like, even though talking on the phone is uncomfortable, like, if you call and you keep calling your friend, like, they're going to pick up and they're going to answer and you're going to have a great conversation and you're going to feel closer and then eventually it won't be weird. Eventually it'll be, like, something you look forward to. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. One thing that they did at the very end of that podcast is they played a montage of voicemails from user, like listener submitted um, voicemails. And they they were playing them and it was like, you know, family members like calling and saying like, hey, whatever, um, you know, sorry I missed you or whatever. And then just, I don't know, it was like the the quality, like the nostalgic, like kind of staticky quality of, of those recordings and like how... Just, you know, that way that all parents leave voicemails, just that mm-hmm. tone, I guess. And then there was this one that was a mom and she was like saying, hey, I just called to say happy birthday. Um, you're probably out celebrating right now. And then that kind of faded out and then faded into um, a family that was singing happy birthday over the phone, um, obviously to, to whoever. Yeah. And like. I was walking down the street listening to this and like I felt myself like tearing up a little bit just like hearing yeah these voice recordings and and just like that uh you know that you could just feel the love in in the voices. It reminds me of um Lainey, the voicemails mm-hmm. they put on so they've had three no two voicemails mm-hmm. that they put after a certain song on their EP and on their full length album of The Drummer's Mom the voicemail that she leaves and it's just the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So mom and so cute. Yeah. And then I But was, it does make you happy. Like right. it, it, I don't even know her, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But it makes you feel good. And then that made me think about I wonder if this inherent human desire, this need mm-hmm. to hear human voices and and essentially, you know how like our brains crave things that release feel good chemicals in our brain. Right. Hearing, a, you know, having a voice and hearing a voice and that communication, I guess, releases feel good chemicals. So I would, you know, obviously our brain desires that. I wonder if that has contributed to the rise of podcasting and, you know, Maybe. audio forms. Well, there's a reason radio's never gone away, right? Mm-hmm. Like, haven't. We've had this conversation before about radio, about how it's just always been constant. But I can't remember if it was a podcast or something. Mm. Anyways, but like it's like radio, we talk, audio mm. will never go away. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think podcasts have been like taken a huge boom. Right. It's just the new um, radio, though. I also, yeah, it's the new radio. I also think podcasting, I, I feel like people view it as a way to learn passive learning like Mm -hmm. while they're doing other things um 
But a lot of podcasts, yeah, there are very, there are some podcasts that are very scripted or very educational or things like that. But there are podcasts like ours right now and a ton of others that are like very conversational podcasts that are literally mm-hmm. just people talking to each other. Right. And yes, we listen because we are intrigued by the subject matter and the things, you know, their personalities and the things that they say, you know, that keeps us, you know, wanting to listen. But I was wonder I was thinking, I wonder if in part we do listen because it is like having a conversation. It's comforting. And it's comforting. It it's kind of like that conversation we had on one of our videos about like why people watch The Office mm-hmm. because or why people watch like regular vlogs, right? There's like something like familiar and um, relatable, right. I guess, about it. But that also made me think about that. Yes, you know, there is that side, but then there's also just the side that it could one the voices that were you're hearing are not those of loved ones. So does it actually contribute to right those oxytocin levels the way that it would if like like for our parents to be listening to this podcast right now, it probably right. affects them in a oxytocin different know, way. way than it would just, you know, somebody who has never met us in person and they just are listening. I, I have no idea. I have no study to right. present that would back up that information in any way. Right. Um, but then I also thought about that there's also the side of the multitasking thing that podcasting has also risen because it is something that we can do while doing other things. You don't need that full focal attention. I do. That's why I don't listen to podcasts because I cannot listen to a a thing and work or whatever at the same time. It's impossible. I tune out whatever I'm listening to. Well, I tune out words. That depends on the type of work you do. You can't sit there like you have to do menial tasks. No, I've that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter for me. You don't have to believe that if you don't want to. (laughs) I mean, I'm not. I'm just saying that for me, like. If I if I'm driving, washing dishes, walking, anything like that, I can I can be 100 percent engaged in the podcast. No, the only the only time I've ever really like retained information from a podcast or actually like listened the entire time or didn't like halfway through go like wait what is the last 20 minutes of what I've been hearing is when I've just been sitting and listening, doing nothing else, taking notes actually. Like, it's it's very, like, school setting. Like, I have right. to be, like, visually, like, doing some sort of, like, note-taking in order to remember or really hear what yeah. I'm what I'm listening and to. And that is possible. I mean, that could be how most people are, but we feel like we can multitask mm-hmm. while listening to a podcast because, you know, it, it can keep going and we can still pay attention and get the gist of what is happening, but to actually retain the, the what is being said to actually have it affect us in a way that we actually think deeper about that thing. Right. We need to actually be paying attention and not multitasking. Right. I don't know. So. All leave of, more voicemails. Yeah. <laughs> um, leave more voicemails. Save more voicemails. Um, call your mom. Call your dad. Call your loved ones. Maybe I'll actually set up my voicemail now. <laughs> That's how much I, I dislike talking on the phone is like I don't even – I get so stressed out about even creating a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, after I listened to that podcast, I, I did have this like, maybe I should like call somebody. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So maybe we should call somebody. All right. Okay. Before we jump into your topic of discussion, which I see that you have brought some uh, multimedia examples mm-hmm. um, to go with yours, uh, we'll t- just want to take a quick break and let you guys know that this podcast is also uh, brought to you by BetterHelp. And BetterHelp is an affordable private online counseling service with unlimited access to licensed therapists. It's super simple to sign up. If you just go to betterhelp.com slash Jensen, you fill out a short questionnaire and then you're matched with a licensed therapist and you can begin counseling as early as that same day. But what I love about BetterHelp is, you know, all of that. But normal counseling can cost you $150 to $250 a session. And BetterHelp is as affordable as $35 a week. Mm -hmm. And you get unlimited access to your therapist over whether that's texting or FaceTime, you know, whatever the medium um, is, you get unlimited access to your therapist. So if you want to try it out, you can go to betterhelp.com slash Jensen. Um, You have to be 18 or older to use the service, and it is a weekly counseling service, not a crisis hotline. So there's links in the show notes if you want to uh, learn more, or again, just go to betterhelp.com slash Jensen. Yes. Sarah, what do you got? Um, So I've actually been thinking about this a lot. And then this week happened, and I just thought, okay, it's a sign. I have to talk about it. <laughs> so, basically, um, the 1975 came out with a new song this week called Sincerity is Scary. And it's kind of all about how, like, being honest and real and vulnerable is not a thing. Like, we use all these defense mechanisms to be vul- vulnerable, particularly on the internet, things like that. Um, kind of to, like... Say, like, okay, here's how I feel, but please don't, like, label me. Don't, like, judge me, right? So there's this video that Maddie Healy was talking in an interview uh, with Zane Lowe. And it kind of talks about that. So I thought I would play that video. And then there's a quote that I wanted to share that is the same thing. And then we can dive into it. Sincerity is scary. It's about me trying to like denounce all of that postmodern like fear of like being real. You know, like ro- irony first, irony first. Make sure you're ironic because then you can't be judged on being a person. And I've and I've become so aware of like the shtick that exists within my kind of lyrical narrative as well because I, I obviously I, I love everything that I've done previously. And but I, I now as I get older, I see these kind of like defense mechanisms whether they be like jokes or like being slightly sardonic or like oh here's the big emotional bit of the song but i'm not going to be really emotional Do you know all those kind of things and i think on this record it's a slightly more it's just a bit more open and a bit easier and like genuinely like sincere so that is just like a quick clip on like why he wrote the song but the two main points that i wanted to kind of highlight were the um, make sure you're ironic so you can't be judged on being a person. And the idea of like, um, so here's the, the big emotional part, but I'm not going to be emotional about it. You know, mm-hmm. kind of these defense mechanisms that we use. And then the other thing is quite 
long. It's a quote from David Foster Wallace, who obviously loved words. Um, so I'm going to try and like <laughs> pare it down a little bit. Um, so he's talking about um, like bad fiction, like writing bad fiction. Is that a thing? Or like if you're just being representative of your culture, is it okay to write bad fiction in this kind of like meta way? Um, um, and he says, look, we're pr- we'd probably most of us agree that these are dark times and stupid ones. But do we need fiction that does nothing but dramatize how dark and stupid everything is? In dark times, the definition of good art would seem to be art that locates and applies CPR to those elements of what's human and magical that still live and glow despite the time's darkness. Really good fiction could have as dark a worldview as it wished, but it'd find a way both to depict this world and to illuminate the possibilities for being alive and human in it. And then he says... Postmodern irony and cynicisms become an end in itself, a measure of hip sophistication and literary savvy. Few artists dare to try to talk about ways of working toward redeeming what's wrong because they'll look sentimental and naive to all the weary ironists. Irony's gone from liberating to enslaving. There's some great essay somewhere that has a line about irony being the song of the prisoner who's come to love his cage. The postmodern founders patricidal work was great but patricide produces orphans and no amount of revelry can make up for the fact that writers my age have been literary orphans throughout our formative years we enter a spiritual puberty where we snap to the fact that the great transcendent horror is loneliness excluded engagement in the self once we've hit this age we will now give or take anything wear any mask to fit be part of not be alone the u.s arts are our guide to inclusion a how-to We are shown how to fashion masks of NUI and jaded irony at a young age where the face is fictile enough to assume the shape of whatever it wears. And then it's stuck there, the weary cynicism that saves us from gooey sentiment and unsophisticated naivety. A U.S. of modern A, where the state is not a team or a code, but a sort of sloppy intersection of desires and fears, where the only public consensus a boy must surrender to is the acknowledged primacy of straight line pursuing this flat and short-sighted idea of personal happiness." which, like I said, is a lot of words, um, but summed up is saying, why are we using irony as a defense mechanism to shield our real emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've been thinking about this a lot just in my own personal way of being on the internet, and then those I found those two things this week. Then I was like, okay, well, <laughs> this is what I believe now, you know. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of wanted to talk about that. I think maybe in particular about I think Twitter is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like on Instagram, we more just like don't talk about bad things, not even in a humorous way. Mm-hmm. But like on Twitter, it's very ironic and very like. Let me make this joke or maybe not even a joke, but let me just say this so plainly, like he was saying, like Maddie was saying, the emotional bit without being emotional. Let me just say this so matter of factly that it catches you off guard that we don't even have a chance to like discuss it in a real, true, vulnerable way. So I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) I mean, do you think that like that's bad or that we should even be like considering it so well first like what what do you think of like what are some examples of things that 
that you think of whenever whenever Maddie in in that quote it talks about you know shielding who we are through irony, right? Like, what, I mean, I like don't have any examples. like specific examples, but like if you just go on Twitter or whatever, you see like like the. LOL, this is my life, LOL, JK, mm-hmm. but LOL, right. you know, it's like the very ironic, like, thing, sentence of, like, life sucks, LOL, <laughs> you know, and that LOL is sort of the, like, um, equalizer, it, like, kind of, like, deflects, I guess yeah, is the diffuses. word, I'm, yeah, diffuses, like, the true heart of the sentiment. And I guess I'm just wondering why we feel like we can't be vulnerable online or even in real life. And I'm looking at it like I'm asking myself that question. Like mm-hmm. it's why I don't post very much because I I come up with or I I feel this thing and I like type it and then I'm like ah, but do people really want that? And then I just don't don't post it, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, the only thing I ever actually appreciate is real, true honesty. And so, like, I... Like, uh, Melissa Broder is a really great example on Twitter. So sad today. Um, just, like, brutal honesty in the most refreshing way. Even if I don't always agree or whatever, I love that she will just put it all out there. And... I mean, there, there's, I don't know, I, there's something to be say, said about, like, the platform lends itself to certain things. So, like, Twitter is obviously very funny and sarcastic and whatever, mm-hmm. but I just wonder why, I don't know. I, it's, it, I think it kind of plays back into the conversation I'm having with myself, too, about how, like, social media can be very um, uh, destructive. Right. And so I'm wondering, like, is there even a place on social media for that? For being like true, raw, vulnerable? And if there isn't, why? Why? But maybe social media is destructive because nobody is being true, raw, and vulnerable. Because the reason that social media is so destructive is because we are looking at the highlight reels of everybody else's life while we are living the behind the scenes. Right. And so... It's like you scroll through Instagram and you're seeing all everybody's like best photos they took ever or the best photos they took that week, um, you know, highly curated, which I mean, I don't see anything wrong with, you know, highly curating a Instagram feed because I mean, Instagram is a photo platform. Right, like, it's what it's I for. understand. But how can we. How could it become more vulnerable? Like right. and. and, and or maybe it, maybe it's the user side more than it is. Well, the, I was gonna say, why do the we consumer side? I guess why do we feel like we can't? Like, why do we feel like we need to be ironic in our true feelings? Like, why? You know what I mean? What What is it that you know we say this thing and then we're like, wait, but I don't. I'm not crazy or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like can, can you? And I there is, I think, maybe a fear of rejection there. Um, you know, like you're at your most vulnerable state. So obviously there's, but like, why can't we just like say it? Why, why? That's what I like. That's kind of the things that I'm like, because the internet is such a day has become such a dangerous place to be vulnerable, to have a true opinion, because there are so many people hiding behind anonymity. Mm -hmm. So many people 
who not even being anonymous are just hateful and mean because they are behind a computer screen and they're not in front of you in Mm -hmm. real life because they wouldn't say 98% of the things that they say online if they had to look you in the eyeball and tell you their very wrong opinion. And so because of the track record of social media, I mean, especially for a woman, Right. Like to be vulnerable and put herself on the internet whenever there is, I mean, a unlimited supply of scum to come behind her and, you know, right. sp- spew hate. Yeah. Like to say like that that wouldn't be incredibly difficult. Like, I mean, you basically haven't been on the internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but as far as like hiding behind irony, what I was thinking about is it, obviously hipsters. Um, hipsters love to be ironic and hipsters love to, I think, obviously you can't like put every hipster into one bucket, but just talking about, you know, I think that a lot of hipsterdom and being cooler than thou comes from a place of hiding vulnerabilities. Right. And like choosing to put on this mask of, you know, being, being ironic in the fact that. I'm ironically wearing this thing from my childhood instead of saying like, I, I, I being vulnerable, I mean like I loved Pokemon whenever I was a kid. And so now like I still love it and I want to be a part of it. And so I'm not ironically, you know, I don't know, have this Pikachu phone case or whatever, you know, I don't, right. whatever that example is that is like, it's like become this like hipster thing now, like to wear this, like, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, ironically, mm-hmm. but it's like, are you wearing it ironically to to hide the fact that you actually do love that thing that you actually right. you miss something of your childhood and you want to present that to the world but you want to do it in a way that if somebody was to say why do you have that stupid pikachu phone case you're like you know say some hipster you know ironic thing about right. how whatever like but why do we why do we feel that way like why do we feel like we can't I mean, I know why. I know the logic. Like, I know internet hate, comments, blah, blah. I I understand. But, like, why do we feel like we can't, like, enjoy what we enjoy? Why do we feel like we can't be true and vulnerable in who we are? I just – and it's been like that forever. It's been like that before the internet, I I think, you know. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there, but (laughs) – David Foster Wallace, right. like, I I don't understand why we choose to hide behind irony or, like, why we can't create a space for people to be people. Like, like Maddie Healy said, like, why are we being judged for being a person? Like, just like you have whatever struggles you have, I have my own. And, like, why can't we just be honest about it? I mean, I, I really, I think this comes back to the core of almost everything. And that is insecurity because we find validation in other people and instead of ourself or in our creator, if that's your worldview. Mm-hmm. And whenever you try to find validation through the opinions of other humans, you will be left short every single time. Right. Um, also, whenever you 
find your self-worth in the opinions of other people, that means that you think that they also find their self-worth in the opinions of you. And whenever you feel terrible about yourself because of the opinions of other people, you then hurt people, hurt people. Right. You then put other people down for the things that they like because you're insecure in the fact that that you can't be into the things that you like. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm totally into um, Pokemon and um, I hide that from everybody because whenever I, the one, you know, the few times that I, that I tried to talk about it, um, I got a bunch of internet hate or my mom or, you know, somebody put me down for liking this thing. And so now I, I feel like I can't actually share the fact that I like Pokemon. And so whenever I see somebody else sharing even maybe it is like the, a direct one-to-one that I see somebody else sharing the fact that they like it and so I put them down because if I can't like it they can't like it you know mm-hmm. subconsciously or they're into like some other thing that is that you know uh Yu-Gi-Oh you know in, in the same uh, <laughs> okay. uh genre you know and, and so you spew hate at them for you know not growing up yeah. you know you need to grow up Yu-Gi-Oh's for high or junior hires or whatever yeah and it's like it's We've had this conversation like probably in every podcast, but <laughs> definitely in the last like few podcasts and even in some of our videos, like I, just the the thing about letting other people enjoy things, right? I think just all really stems from the fact that you're insecure in yourself. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, yes, but it's not so much about letting other people enjoy things, although that is like I guess maybe a. It's more about like sharing feelings. Yeah. Like, I also, I think kind of, this kind of falls into it too. I'm like a huge proponent of just like letting people say what they want to say. And then... Say huge... what you need to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, every time I've, or I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. And so every time I think, isn't it ironic? Don't you think? What's that from? Are you kidding? Yes. I'm ironically kidding. Because I actually do know what you're talking about. It's like raining. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On your wedding day. Wow. One so of the Alanis, are you here? Anyways, now I lost my train of thought. Oh, a huge advocate of letting people say what they need to say, and like learning through that, like not holding people to what they said three years ago or whatever, um, but like understanding that like people change and evolve, and. There's this kind of idea on the internet that, like, what you said is what you mean and what you believe forever. And that's not the case. And um, I think this, I don't know, I know a lot of people who, like, won't share their, like, opinions, I guess. Because, you know, I mean, we've seen it. Everybody has seen it. Some actor posted something on their Twitter 20 years ago before they were famous and now it's dragging them through the dirt, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, maybe that's a thing, too, is, like, we don't want to be judged permanently on what we're saying temporarily. Um, but I'm a huge advocate for letting people, like, work through what they need to work through. Because I know that that's how I work. Like, I work through ideas and questions and thoughts by talking them out with somebody. Mm-hmm. And so – and it's just that the somebody we have now is the internet. You know, it's it's just a little – different because we aren't hanging out with each other so we're just gonna like post it on instagram and have a conversation about it but that's that's scary because 
you know, seven years from now, who knows what's going to happen with what you said. So maybe that's part of it too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like most people don't think about the future, like, in that way, as far oh, as... I do. Well, I mean, I mean, like, as far as saying something that's going to be misconstrued in 10 years, it's more so saying something that's going to be misconstrued right now. Um, right. And it's, it's basically that comes from the fear of being misunderstood. Right. So then we mask it with irony. So then we can be like, LOL. Right. I don't actually hate myself, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean. But that's not healing at all. That's not like progressing. That's not growing. I think that a lot of it comes from like not being able to be vulnerable in in online senses just because it's not it's a very it's a very hard place to be vulnerable like it's hard but enough I think, to be I think vulnerable that flows with... into every aspect of our life now like it's hard to be vulnerable in art because where does art go on the internet you know mm-hmm. it's hard to be vulnerable in relationships because where are relationships going on the internet like mm-hmm. everything is on the internet so are we just getting worse at being vulnerable or have we always been bad at it and now it's just more evident i don't know i think probably on a grand scale i would assume that we are worse at being vulnerable as Mm -hmm. a whole but then also i think that some personalities are just predisposed to be vulnerable and some are predisposed to not right i mean obviously that is like one of our main differences right is that you are on the vulnerability scale, you're like peaking at a hundred, yeah. And, and the you know little meter is like shaking, versus maybe some um, would argue it's a little too much. <laughs> um, versus like me, I don't know. It's I don't know where I am on the vulnerability scale, other than it, it's way lower than you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, Compared to me, it's not right. existent. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't say that I have a fear of being vulnerable though. Right, but but the you're kind of a different case though, as with everything, because I would say you don't have a fear of anything. Like you don't have a fear of saying something and then it being like misunderstood and mm. do you mask your vulnerabilities with irony or some uh, well, other defense mechanism? Do you just like here's an emotional thing that I'm gonna say, but I'm not gonna be emotional about it so that you can't be emotional with me? You know, like I don't know. I mean I almost don't I just even don't think you're an emotional person. Like, you, yeah, you don't even really have those examples. Right. And I also don't even fully grasp what it means to say something vulnerable and mask it behind irony. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm asking you for example, because I don't really. Well, I think just like go on Twitter and you'll find plenty of examples i don't have anything specific i didn't know i needed a specific example but i think just like just saying true things in a clever way instead of just like saying it truth because so there's okay i don't know if this is an example or it's not an example but there's another quote that might help you um ian thomas my favorite poet if you have not read any of his books highly recommend ian's quote or poem is i have pretended to go mad in order to tell you the things i need to i call it art because art is the word we give to our feelings made public and art doesn't worry anyone so it's like this idea that like oh well if i just like package it in this certain way you won't judge me for it even though we all feel it okay so based on 
the, that quote, are you saying that like Demi Lovato writing the song about drugs mm-hmm. and all that is like, like, I mean, uh, no, cause I, I think that she was pretty plain in her lyrics. Right. And that it's not, it's not about like, well, why can't we say feelings without having to sing them? Like there's, that's not it at all. It's just like, why are we trying to package it in this way that like, okay, well, I'm going to tell you the truth of the feelings, but I'm going to, I'm going to like craft it in such a way that we don't have to be vulnerable with each other about it. I mean, is it like hiding behind humor? Yeah. I mean, because I would say, I mean, I 100% do that. Yeah. I, I will make a joke of anything. Yeah. It's, it's like the same or in the same, definitely the same genre. Like it's, it's just the idea that like we're hiding behind things in order to be able to tell somebody the truth of how we feel instead of just like, why can't we just say the truth as the truth instead of the truth as humor or the truth as irony. And I understand sometimes like art, that's the point, right? It like gets to things in a way that you, that is disarming to you. Like you don't even realize that it's happening, but why can't we just say it? I mean, I I think I've already answered that because it's insecurity. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I I think that... I guess I just want to have this... It's just something I'm thinking about a lot in how I interact with people and on the internet and things like that. And so I just, I don't know. I mean, I think that if you are not confident in who you are, that means that you're not confident in what you feel. Mm. And if you aren't confident in your opinion or what you feel, then you... Then, then whenever you put it out there, like in your typing it up in a tweet or whatever, then you are trying to find validation in what you feel through those that are going to like and retweet. I don't know if that's true because I don't think it's about confidence. That's the thing. I mean, maybe, maybe confidence is a factor, but I, it's more about like, can I tell you? what I'm feeling without being judged. Like, can that be a conversation? So then mostly it's that everybody is just way too judgmental for anybody to be vulnerable. Yeah, I guess so. And everybody is judgmental because they're not vulnerable with themselves. Because the way to show your invulnerability is to judge others for the same thing that you do. Yeah. It's like the it's like the, the, the biblical um, parable of the not pulling out the plank in your own eye before pointing out the speck in somebody else's. Right. It's like we all have, I mean, since literally when the Bible is written, people <laughs> have been doing this. Yeah. Where they judge others for things that they have wrong in their own life that stick out even farther Yeah. than the speck in somebody else's eye. They have a freaking plank in their eye. Yeah. And they're pointing out the speck in somebody else's. That's and true. so, I mean- this is obviously just human nature. Yeah. That the things that that the things that are in us, our insecurities, our vulnerabilities are the things that we judge hardest right. in other people. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if there's really any way to like fix it necessarily. I just want to have the conversation cuz I'm I feel like especially with all of the conversations that people are having about social media and the internet and like I said the internet is involved in everything every piece of our lives 
I just feel like it's worth reminding, <laughs> you know? Right. Worth saying, like, hey, maybe maybe try to be real. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that can really come out of this is that, one, for us to keep that in mind and, mm-hmm. you know, basically it's self-awareness. Right. That we As become, we end every podcast. Right. <laughs> it becomes like we have to be self-aware enough to realize that we are you know, maybe judging other people harder than what we should be because of our own insecurities or, you know, whatever that is. And be willing to step outside of that and be vulnerable in an online capacity or or really just be vulnerable in general, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that's in person or online without the, basically with just setting aside the fact that yes, we may be judged. Yes, we may be ridiculed. Yes, we may be, you know, misunderstood. Uh, right, misunderstood. But the act of sharing is going to help or enlighten, or I don't know what it is. Like, essentially, that vocal minority mm-hmm. that shows hate should not stop us from sharing something that could touch the lives in some small way of the silent majority of you know or maybe it is a a minority too where it's just like there are some people out there who are craving who are striving to hear something real on the internet right and maybe nobody is doing it because of what you're saying and the takeaway i guess is for not only for us but anybody who's listening who finds us you know intriguing as well (laughs) is like to put yourself out there to know that you are a small voice in a big world but your voice could be amplified i guess like to somebody out there that needs to hear the realness of a struggle because there is somebody out there that is feeling like they are the only person that feels this way because they're scrolling through instagram and online and all they see is all of these perfect bodies, these perfect lives, these, you know, whatever right. it is. And they don't feel like anybody would possibly understand the fact that they feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I think goes back to the art thing. Like that's why art can be so powerful. Um, Arguably why it is. Right. Um, is because it's, it's, it's like we've talked about in the, in the past, how that quote about art, how good art um, disturbs the comfortable and comforts the disturbed. Right. And that put it in the same way that, you know, the words of your tweet or the words of your Facebook post could in, in some part comfort the disturbed and also disturb the comfortable. And those are going to be the people that you yep. know, show hate in the comments. But I don't know. I guess maybe I have no idea essentially like what the takeaway is. I, I mean, just, I just think we should just, I think, I just want to be a person who is honest and truthful and vulnerable without irony. And I just think that we should encourage others to do that. I mean, do you do that now? I mean, do you? No, I just don't post anything. I don't, I don't do anything out of irony on online because I know that I'm doing it. Like I'm very conscious of, which is, I think why this um quote from david foster wallace and 
from Maddie Healy is so intriguing to me is because I very much feel it in the moment when I'm like writing a tweet and I'm like, I just wish I could say what I really want. And then I close it. That's pretty much what happens. So I'm like very selective in the things that I, in the true things that I post online. Mm -hmm. And I just wish and want to be less selective. Like I, you know what I mean? Do you think that you used to be more vulnerable online, but you have, because of comments and concerns, have pulled back? Yes. I, the reason I asked that was because I, I, whenever you said that you don't post things, I remembered that you used to post more vulnerable things online, yeah. and we would get I text would get messages and people phone coming calls out of the woodwork from you know all sorts of of people who'd be like, "Is Sarah okay? Sarah yeah. sounds depressed. Is Sarah like you know whatever, whatever? Like Sarah right. this, Sarah that?" And it's like it bothered me, right? Really bothered you that people couldn't understand that just because everybody feels everybody feels everybody feels <laughs> but, just ended at that <laughs> but the only thing that is posted online is the 10 percent right of the best of the best and so if you post anything right that is of the other parts of feels of life then it's like why is, is, is this a cry for help yeah and i think that i feel like that that season like of you trying to be more vulnerable online and then people like yeah thinking that you were uh, crying for help stopped you from ever posting again. Yeah. I mean, I definitely used to share like way more vulnerable things. I'll still share certain vulnerable things. Like there are certain subjects that I haven't shied away from because I don't mind it, you know? Like it 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 doesn't feel vulnerable to me to like other people are like, "Oh my gosh, you're so vulnerable." I'm like, "Meh, whatever." Like it If you knew what I really thought. Exactly. <laughs> like that's like the first layer. Wait till you get to layer 20, you know? Like <laughs> that's kind of So there are still certain things that I'll share, but for the most part, I've just quit sharing because there's this idea that you can't be vulnerable and you can't just like sit with someone in the vulnerability. Like I don't need people to come out of the woodwork and ask me if I'm okay. I just I just want someone to be like, oh, yeah, me too. Or like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you feel that way too. Like, thank you for saying that. You know, like, that's it. Like, it's not, a, you know. So anyway, I, every time I, like, go to post something, I'm just I'm like, that's not really what I want, but I can't say what I want, so I close it. So I don't know. I just think I'm ready for some unfiltered feelings online. That's all. So essentially what you feel <laughs> is what every woman feels whenever she has a boyfriend and or husband and she is vulnerable with said man and man tries to fix thing. Yes. Yeah. And, don't fix it for me. Yeah. Just like be there. It's fine. <laughs> and you know, all you want to hear is I'm like, I hear you. Yeah. Or I, I feel that sometimes too. Yeah. Or, you know, anything that is not fixing it. Yeah. Or, or that's, it sounds weird because it's not I, – I understand that, like, people coming out of the woodwork is out of concern. And, like, it comes from a good place. So I know that sounds odd, but I don't know. It's just, like, this weird thing where, like, people will be like, you need to be happier. Like, people have told me that. I'm like, that's I, yeah. not how that works, though. Like, you know, so I don't I know. I think that – not well, with you, yes. But also I think that's a burden on all women that – like oh, in in yes. the society that has been set up, I have up. 
absolutely been told way too many times that I look prettier when I smile, mm-hmm. which really just makes me never mind. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's like, okay. Um, re- before you say anything, think if this person was a man, would I still say that thing? Mm-hmm. And then don't. <laughs> and then don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just think vulnerability online. I think vulnerability in general, I'm craving vulnerability maybe from other people. And I, I think probably most other people are too. They just don't know it. Um, so being vulnerable, I suppose, what do you think in my life I am not sharing that I should be sharing, like, because I'm not being vulnerable enough? Hmm. That's a hard question. That's the thing though. I don't think that you're not sharing things. I don't know. Do you have emotions? Yeah. <laughs> I just mean you're very even, very steady. My, I have emotions, but my emotions are in the middle of the scale. They right. they they vary by a factor of 10 to 20. Less than that probably. That's what I'm saying. Like I I it'd be hard for me to answer that like right now cuz I don't know. Cuz you're so steady that I also don't think that everybody should share vulnerability. You know, like you, aside from like you take photo series and you do the collage or whatever, um, you obviously upload videos, um, but you're not like a super like social person, social media person. You're not like on it all the time and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not how you communicate, things like that. So it really, I don't think that there's anything necessarily that you should be more vulnerable online. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Like, everybody get online and share their feelings. Like, I mean, yes, but no. If you don't want to, don't. Just, like, why the people who do, let just let them do it. I don't know. So, again, it goes back to just let people enjoy things. <laughs> I guess so. And, and stop feeling like you need to mask your feelings or your pain with something more. It's like, it's like the... um. A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, right? It's like quit feeling like you have to to mask your pain with this something that'll make it easier for people to swallow. Like just share. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of opinions, but... Are you sharing all of them right now or are you masking some of them? I'm not masking anything right now. I just don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just know that I crave, I am very, in the last maybe month, like been thinking about it a lot and just like really craving like truth and vulnerability with no predispositions, no fluff. And it's hard to find. It's really, really difficult to find. You can find it in books, I guess, and maybe in some movies and obviously music, but like with people, right? It's with it's easier, people who you are in contact with. It's hard to find. It's easier to find vulnerability in mediums where the feedback loop is very long. Yeah. So meaning that in a song, a movie, a book, the, that piece is out there. And, but for you to actually give your feedback to the person who created that, is really long right Um, it's difficult it's difficult to do that like for if you were if you wanted to give your opinion to maddie healy about that song that he wrote you'd have to 
you know, at him on, on all the socials or whatever, and then hope that he saw it. Right. Because, you know, he, he's, he's not, not going to, he's not probably not going to. Right. And then obviously writers get, um, may like emails and hate mail and all that type of stuff. But again, the likelihood of maybe them seeing that is whatever, depending on, you know, how new or right. like, uh, well-known that author is. Right. But like, so anyway, it's just saying that the feedback loop is, really long on on those mediums but if you were to tweet it's instant instant somebody within six seconds can misunderstand you and say i want to x-rated explicit in you know you only have 200 what is it 280 characters Mm -hmm. to get your point across that's really hard (laughs) you know i don't know i just think we should be nice that's all (laughs) (laughs) if that it sums up I think that actually does sum up all of your opinions and everything that really triggers you is that everyone just needs to be nice. I very much come to the defense of people, whether they're in the wrong or not. And like, it's always a, well, hold on. Let's look at it this way, though. And then like determine, like you can't just assume whatever. very much come to the defense of people. Well, as we uh, wrap up the podcast, I'll say an example uh, of that is yesterday I said something negative about a music group's new album that um that sarah doesn't even <laughs> care about no that okay that's strong well you, I, you essentially I do care. you you care the minimum amount they are not somebody i listen to on a very regular basis or no i have listened thank you very much okay um, but anyways. i don't listen on a regular basis anyways the point is I said something negative about a music group that Sarah occasionally listens to. Yeah. And she immediately came to their defense that I can't have that opinion unless I listen to the entire album and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, well, it's true. And, like, it was immediate defensive against something that she occasionally listens to. Yeah. Like, it's not even like it was her favorite band, which I totally would understand. But right. It's like, but it's not. <laughs> it's just like something that, like, oh, yeah, I've listened to that. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't judge what there are until you've listened to all of it and then you can make a informed decision also a good example is the movie call me by your name you hated that movie and i was so we got no like actual argument about it i was so upset at how just the the blatant disregard that you had for that movie (laughs) you were like it was it was filmed so cheap, blah, 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 whatever you said. I don't even remember. And I was like, <gasps> we will not. And I was like, I, you cannot have that opinion. That is not allowed. It's <laughs> like, here's why it was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, after the movie, I didn't say anything. And just because I already knew. Yeah. But Sarah was like, so what'd you think? And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Just lie? No, but you can just like not be so blunt about it. <laughs> But then that's giving you my truth with a spoonful of sugar. Well, okay, but that's a little bit different. Is it? Because I had already told you how much I loved it. (laughs) Anyways, point is, I just come to the defense of everyone. (laughs) That's like my immediate, that's that's just my natural go-to. Like, okay, I'm going to defend them first, and then we can disagree about it. I may even not care. That's honestly the truth. I may not even feel that strongly about the like the opposing side, but I'm definitely going to defend them. Right. Whereas I, 
I typically, a lot of times, I will play the devil's advocate. Sarah always plays the angel's advocate. (laughs) (laughs) Even if she has the devil's opinion on the thing. (laughs) If you are attacking it, she'll. Yeah. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways, thank you guys for listening to um, this episode of Deeply Curious. Um, Hopefully that uh, intrigued your brains and uh, tickled the neurons. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Be nice. Be vulnerable. Call your mom. Yeah. Also, get yourself a free audiobook by going to audible.deeplycurious.fm. Also, just check out deeplycurious.fm if you want to uh, check out all the back episodes of Deeply Curious. And then you can also uh, check out the betterhelp.com slash Jensen uh, free trial by going to betterhelp.com slash Jensen. Or all the links are in the show notes. Check it out. Uh, We'll be back next week for another show. See you later. Bye.